Lord, we thank you for this time. Guide it that your name might be glorified. Help us that we may be able to see you clearly. Remove all distractions so that your name can be what we focus upon. We pray for those that can't be with us, and we pray for those that want to be with us. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I had uh, just had surgery. I had a surgery where um, it, it allowed me to get a little bit more connected to my little nephew. Actually, my little nephew is here today. He, he, he's not really little no more. I kind of am like looking eye to eye sometime when he swells up his chest. I'm looking down. I'm looking up. You know what I'm saying? Like my little nephew is bigger. But at this point, he was an infant. He was a toddler. And I had just had surgery. I had a kidney removed and anything was extremely painful. I mean, anything. I have a cousin that is very funny, and he came to, our, to my, my, my bedside, and he's cracking jokes, and I'm literally crying pain because any time I breathe more than a, it hurts. It, it feels like I'm, I'm being stabbed, so my brother-in-law and sister-in-law give, let us stay at their place because I needed to be in a place that had no steps, and my little nephew is a toddler, and my wife and I are spending time with him, and somehow it's me, my wife, and him. And he's in this little bouncy thing. You know, the thing you put the baby in, and they just, you know what I mean? They just be rocking, and it's soothing to them. It's soothing to them. Well, I got my wife on my arm. She's falling asleep, and my nephew is in the bouncy thing. Now, he's looking at me, I'm looking at him, she's asleep, and he starts crying. And his beautiful eyes are tearing up, and his, and his sadness all in him, and I'm like, I can't pick him up. I can't even walk up steps. So I lean my foot over, and I start rocking him. And he goes from tears to smiling. But that pain is killing me, so I stop. And then he starts crying again. And, and we go with this back and forth for a minute, and, and what began to happen was the pain never left, but actually me being able to see his joy allowed me to endure the pain. As we dive into God's word today, we start with Good Friday. Good Friday is a time where Jesus experiences the most extreme pain you can imagine, but for our joy he was willing to endure it. He has a crown of thorns placed on his head, and this crown of thorns is knocked down. He now is bleeding profusely, and he'll do it for our joy. He gets put up in front of a council of people that call him guilty. They trump up some crazy charges on him, and now an innocent man gets seen as guilty for our joy. He gets beaten and whipped and whipped and whipped so that we might be able to experience joy. He goes to the cross having his ankles nailed through to a wooden cross, having his hands pierced to a wooden cross but all for a joy that you and I 
might be able to experience. And that is the reality that we walk into on Good Friday, this painful act, this act that Jesus takes on for our sake so that we could be able to experience freedom. Freedom. Freedom from what? Freedom from sin. Sin is something that we we like to understand when it pertains to other people, but when it pertains to our hearts, you might be a little bit more hesitant. You know, when you hear about a, a crooked judge, you get a little bit, little bit mad. I mean, how, what type of legal system would we have if every single time a person committed a crime, they got off scot-free? Again? Scott, just scot-free? We would all be like, hold on. What's the point of consequences? What, what, what effect does a consequence have if no one is held accountable for their actions? How could this heinous crime get no punishment? We get angry. But see, the punishment there is justified. And we used to say a, a term back in the day, if you do the crime, you do the, you do the time. We understand the concept until it pertains to us. See, once it pertains to us, we're like, well, God knew my heart. He know what I really meant. But see, sin is that thing that can be so clear sometimes when we target someone, when we cuss out someone, when we steal from someone. But also sin can be kind of subtle. And it can be unintentional the way we hurt people. Sin has a great, great many ways it surfaces in our life. There was a, uh, a runner that did the, Our Daily Bread, y'all know those little books that uh, give you a, a daily devotional. Our Daily Bread says, imagine all the obstacles a person might have to overcome if he were to walk from New York City to San Francisco. One man who accomplished this rare achievement mentioned a rather surprising difficulty when asked to tell of his biggest hurdle. He said that the toughest part of the trip wasn't traversing the steep slopes of the mountains or crossing the hot, dry, barren stretches of the de- desert. Instead, he said, the thing that came the closest to defeating me was the sand in my shoes. A little piece of sand in his shoes. And that's how we stand with God. It's not necessarily just the big sinful things we do. It's also those small things that break God's heart. And he says, I'm going to deal with that. I'm going to deal with that. I'm going to deal with the small sin. I'm going to deal with the big sin. I'm going to send my son to the cross for you. For you. Once and for all, that you might be able to experience a freedom from sin. A freedom from the pain of sin. A freedom from the punishment of sin. We now get a chance to operate in joy. And so we come out of that Good Friday service understanding what has been carried for us. But then we move into this Sunday's service, and one of the people that gives us an understanding of what took place on Resurrection Sunday is our sister Mary. Mary Magdalene. Let me hear you say Mary Magdalene. 
Now, see, Mary Magdalene is a person that that you would not think would be used in a mighty way. She's a person that you would not expect to be the first person on the scene. Actually, let me tell you a little bit about what Mary does. Then I want to tell you about her past. Mary realizes that Jesus is going to die. She's in a processional of people that are that are following Christ all the way to the cross. And she sees him take his last breath. She then is the first person to get up and go to his tomb. And she realizes they have moved the the wall. They have moved what should be protecting her savior. Now, for some reason. Somebody about to get hurt because Mary is upset. She is mad that somebody may have tampered with her Lord. And so she goes and gets the crew. And before you know it, the crew come back with her. And Mary is sitting there brokenhearted. What have they done with my Jesus? What happened? And then Jesus, in a miraculous way, reveals himself to Mary. Shows himself to Mary. Allows Mary to realize who he is. And then Mary goes and tells the disciples that she's seen him. If you would turn with me to John chapter 20, that'll be where we're spending the majority of our time today. And you'll see Mary on the scene. You'll have the the words on the screen at home, the words on the screen up front, and a Bible near your knees if you want to grab it. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John, that fourth book in the Bible. And we're going to chapter 20, starting at verse 18. If somebody has one of the pew Bibles, can you shout out what page that is? 906, thank you. Math, uh, John chapter 20, verse 18. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that, and that he said these things to her. She went, was the first person on the scene, and now she's the first person to go tell others what she has seen. But you and I would not have chosen Mary. In Luke chapter 8, we come to find out that Jesus has this interaction with Mary. And Mary of Magdalene, it says that seven demons were taken out of Mary. Seven demons were taken out of Mary. Now, you and I, we, we, we sometimes get mad when a, when a person don't respond right away. You ask a person a question, you send them a text, you're like, I know you got my text. I, I see the little bubbles. Why you ain't responding? Before you know it, you lighten them up with 24 more texts. Because we can get impatient with one another when, when things don't happen right Johnny on the spot. See, demon-possessed people were the people who seemed a little bit off in the room. Yeah, they might have been the people that was over in the corner talking to themselves. I look good today. Don't you look good? We all look good today. Like you would, you would see the demon-possessed people were the people in culture that seemed a little bit different. And actually, this, this doesn't necessarily quantify the seven demons. What it's trying to say is the, the potency of her possession was extreme. 
So think of the person that you think is most off in your life or that you've seen most off and magnify them times 10. Cousin Pete, Uncle Johnny, Brother Ruru, folks that, that, that are a little bit off, magnify that to the, to the 10th level. And if you could actually be honest, it's things that we probably didn't understand. Now we call things like that mental health challenges. Throughout the history of the church, things have been labeled as demonic, and sometimes it was anxiety. Sometimes it was depression. Sometimes it was addiction to drugs. Sometimes it was, see, these demons are things that have a stronghold on her life, and we understand them today as things that would have a stronghold on our life. And Jesus steps in, heals her. I want you to know that as we talk this Sunday, the resurrection is for everyone. The resurrection is for everyone. The resurrection is for everyone, including anyone that might have any type of mental health challenges. Any type of mental health struggles, that is not beyond Jesus. Does he say he's going to heal you right away? I can't guarantee that. But what he is saying is that he will be with you, that he will not overlook you, that you matter to him just as Mary mattered. Continue with me in the book of John, chapter 20. Now we are in verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his sides. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. The first day of the week, the doors were being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. They saw what had just happened to Jesus. They saw what he had just went through. They saw that he just was tortured, that he just was brutally beaten. They saw that he was killed, and now they're like, well, if they did it to him, and we used to rock with him, we used to roll with him, what they going to come through? Through to us. And so now there is fear that has overtaken this group that used to rock with Jesus, this group that used to be with him. And I'm I'm grateful for examples like this, because sometimes you can start thinking that 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 Christians always got it together, that Christians are always the ones that know what to do. Sometimes Christians find themselves scared, worried, not knowing how to respond, overwhelmed. Sometimes, and I don't know, I know y'all always think the best, and everybody here optimistic, but sometimes your mind can go to the worst case scenario. And Jesus says these four words He says, Peace be with you. My kids in the room, raise your hands. If you're a kid and a child, raise your hand. I want you to take both of your hands like this, open them up, and then I want you to take them together and lace them. See how your hands fit perfectly together in harmony, overlapping, hands complementing one another perfectly? 
All right, you can let them go. That's to symbolize God's peace. You see, before Christ steps on the scene, their peace, their shalom, their harmony is all disrupted. We thought he was God and was going to save us. Now he's gone. They just beat him and now they're going to come beat us. What's next? Their whole life seems to be out of whack. And then he says, peace be with you. Peace be with you. What he does is he reorients them. He aligns everything to be harmonious. He says, the fear you have can fade away. Because now my peace is with you. I remember once I was a uh, car broke down uh, coming out of high school and, uh, you know, high school, the only thing that matters is loud beats. My car was a bucket. Uh, sometimes it was cut on, sometimes it wouldn't. But my sounds was banging, though. You know what I'm saying? My sounds was banging. And so this one time, my, my, my sounds died and drained my battery. Now I'm pulled over, and I'm, I'm, I'm not supposed to be somewhere where I'm going. But I know I'm in a part of the hood that ain't good. I know I'm in a part of the neighborhood where if, if, if I sit here for too long, something's about to go down. And thankfully, I had AAA. AAA, for those of y'all that don't know, is like they, this number you call, and they'll come pick your car up, tow it to the shop. But AAA don't always come on time. So I'm starting to look around, and then in the distance, I see the towing truck's lights flashing. And this anxiety, this worry, this alertness, every time a bird came by, I'm like, what's going on? You know what I mean? I'm, I'm on edge. But once I saw them lights, I was like, all right, I'm good. You see, this, this peace be with you is what, is what Christ is bringing. He's shining a light into their hearts to show them that every fear, every disjointed experience that you had thought of is now at peace and you can rest. You can calm. You can feel safe because it is all good. He says it once to the disciples who were in fear. Some of the disciples there I'm thankful for because we get an image of people that aren't perfect. So you got Mary that went through some, some drama on the front end, had some, some unhealthy aspects of her experience. That was all external. That was all done to Mary. Mary wasn't responsible for, for the demons as we know of. That was all something that was happening to her. But sometimes our sin looks like things we choose to do, Amen. Sometimes sin ain't just what you do to me. Sometimes sin is what I do to you. And Peter's one of the disciples in the room. Peter was a man that, that was bowed. Peter was down for Jesus. Peter was willing to do whatever. When they rolled up on, on Jesus, Peter slashed an ear off. Let's go to war, Jesus. But then Peter does something. Two words that we don't want to have to say. He denies Jesus. Not once. Not twice. 
We, we, we want to kind of coddle it a little bit, turned his back, looked the other way, played his boy, betrayed him. Not once, not twice, but three times. And Jesus is in the room with the disciples, and you could imagine Peter there. Ashamed, brokenhearted, knowing that it was his choice, his decision to deny Christ. When people said, hey, I know you were with him, and he said, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Nobody externally controlled him. No demon forced him to do that. That was all of his own volition, of his own heart. And now his Christ is standing right there. And you can just imagine the shame. You ever felt that way? You ever felt guilty for behavior? Have you ever felt ashamed for things you've said or things you've done? In this world, don't worry, we'll bring it back up. In this world, we got it on tape from 10 years ago. And uh, don't worry, we'll let you, we'll remind you of it sooner or later. You see, I'm grateful that, that Jesus sees Peter and he sees the whole discipleship group and he says, not once, but twice, he says, peace be with you. Why? Because it's almost as if he's saying, Peter, we're good. Peter, we good. You don't have to hang your head, Peter. We're good. I know you played me. We good. Peace be with you. Har harmony is experienced here. Shalom is what you now are able to have. He demonstrates something to them so that they could know for sure that it was him. He, he showed them his hands, shows them his side. They were able to see Jesus. They were able to experience his forgiveness, his restoration, experience the power of the resurrection. We're going to put a pause in that because you need to understand the beauty of what the resurrection is and why it fuels these disciples who were forgiven, these disciples who were empowered, these disciples who went from fearful to courageous. Put your pinky there. Flip to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. My kids and I used to watch, uh, well, we, we watch YouTube videos all the time, but we used to watch uh, people build amazing domino spaces in rooms bigger than this. I'm talking about like, 30,000 dominoes just each set up individually. They control the, the temperature in the room. Like they do everything to make sure the dominoes don't fall. And the most important domino is always the first domino because it starts a chain reaction. You see, Jesus Christ died so that we might be able to have new life. But if he just stays dead, he's like any other false prophet. 
But our faith, our belief, everything hinges not just on him dying, but also on him living. Look with me in 15, starting in verse 3. And we're going to skip a little bit. It says, For I delivered to you as if, as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Now jump from verse 4 to verse 13. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. Now jump to 16. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Verse 20. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has also has has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as if in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive, be made alive, be made alive. See, unfortunately, Adam had an opportunity to do the right thing and he didn't. And that was the domino that allowed sin to enter into our lives. Where now we all wrestle with this sin thing. But Jesus says, no, what I will do is I'm going to be the first domino of healing. I'm going to be the peace that overwhelms you. I'm going to be the new joy that you get a chance to experience. I'm going to give you life evermore. And it starts by me being resurrected. Resurrection just means raising. It means me having new life. It means me being alive. And so we had Mary help us understand the power of the resurrection. We understand Christ was the first domino effect that allowed us all to be able to experience eternal life. We see Peter who willfully said, I deny you, and was forgiven peace extended unto him. Lastly, we're going to go to Brother Thomas. Go with me to verse, back to John chapter 20. Verse 24. And, and Brother Thomas gets a little bit of a bad rap. It's all good, though. He goes on to do amazing things for the kingdom. He goes on to spread the gospel in some amazing areas. India, and yeah, he, he's a... Verse 24, chapter 20. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. I don't believe y'all testimony. I hear what y'all saying, but I need firsthand accounts. You know how many of y'all is like that. I need to see it for myself. Verse 26, eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Again, he's extending this, this shalom, this harmony. Then said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. 
Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. I I like Thomas because Thomas also gives us another picture. If, If Mary had some external circumstances that overwhelmed her, and Christ says, peace be with you. And then we have Peter who chose willfully to enter into sin and deny Christ. And he says, peace be with you. Thomas gives us an insight into those elect intellectual folks. You know, the folks in the room that are thinkers. I love y'all. I'm a feeler. I walk into a room and I'm like, come get a hug. Some of you guys come into a room, you're like, let's discuss some of the deep things of God. That's cool. And I love that. And I, and, I, and, I, and I see Thomas as a person that helps us all have to wrestle with the intellectual side, the understanding side, the believing side of our faith, where sometimes your faith can't just be touchy-feely. Sometimes you need reason. You need some logical aspects, and it can get you into trouble. You don't want to be proof-texting God. God, if you're real, then do this. You got to be careful. Don't test him. But it is appropriate at times to say, Lord, I'm trying to to have my faith be fully in you, and I'm trying to wrap my mind around something. So as I believe in you, help my understanding. As I believe in you, help me to, to, to see you moving. And so Thomas is one of those guys who mentally is, is, is struggling, and Jesus says it to him too. What does he say, those four words? Peace be with you. In the midst of his doubts, peace be with you. In the midst of him not believing the testimony of the crew that he had rolled with, peace be with you. In the midst of him struggling, peace be with you. Why do we see these different examples it's so that we can be able to cling to Christ and understand the power of the resurrection when we can be any one of them when you at times are doubting peace be with you when you make decisions that are sinful and hurt the heart of God peace be with you when you just feel overwhelmed by the world peace be with you All for the last verse in this section. Look with me in verse 30. And then we're going to go home so we can eat that macaroni and cheese. Neck bone. Green. We're going to go home and get ready to throw down. Ain't that right, y'all? Mm-hmm. Verse 30. Now Jesus did many other things in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. You see, this is all for one goal. The resurrection means nothing if you don't allow your life to line up with it as if you believe it. The resurrection has great power. It's an opportunity to free you from sin. It's an opportunity for you to feel forgiven. It's an opportunity for you to see God say, we're good. 
But if you don't believe it, if you don't believe in the power of Jesus conquering death and living, you will live a life short of what God was desiring for you. And sadly, we see many people walking through life in that way, kind of doing the, the walking dead. You, you're getting by. There's some basics you're able to achieve, but the abundant life that Christ has starts at the cross. And it ends at the resurrection. And if you don't believe in the miraculous power of the resurrection, then your life is falling short. Today, we offer you an opportunity not to continue in the status quo, not to keep going through life in the same way. We offer you the opportunity to break the cycle, to allow peace to be with you. But peace is not found in you giving your tithe. Peace is not found in you hanging out with the amazing people in this room or at home. Peace is not found in you singing a song. Peace is found in you believing that Jesus has conquered death. That's where your peace is found. And today, we offer that peace to you. Family, will you join me in prayer? Lord, this Easter, we are grateful for what you accomplished for us, that you conquered death. But we want more of you. So would you, Father, allow anyone in the room that wants to serve you and live for you to repeat this prayer. They can say it out loud or they can say it in their hearts. Jesus, I believe you are real. I believe you died for me. And I believe you freed me from sin. I believe you are living and I can experience eternal life because of you. I now want to walk with you and do that in community. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you are a person that for the first time is praying that, if you say, well, Pastor, I didn't say it exactly the way you said, that's okay, because it's not about the words, it's about the heart posture. That, 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 that you're being real enough with God that you recognize you need him. If, if that's where you are, then we are excited to celebrate you accepting Jesus Christ. And we would love for you to do life here within our local congregation. And so afterwards, I will be up front. If you've accepted Christ into your heart, we want to invite you to come up front and talk with me after. I don't care if people are talking and hanging out and kids got to do stuff. You come, you make your way through and you come up front because we want to walk with you and see you grow in Christ. Amen. 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 And so at this time, we're going to continue in worship. Part of our worship time is celebrating what Jesus did for us on the cross through communion. And so near you.